799.91. So nine cents away from a nice even $800. And in the aftermarket, it actually ended up closing at about 791, which is only $4 more than the intraday low of 787. The Tesla Q podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended for and should not be used as financial, investment, or trading advice. Research associated with fiscal decisions should be conducted elsewhere. The host of the show possesses no license or credentials to warrant accepting advice based on what is heard on the Tesla Q podcast. Additionally, even though the host and guests may hold positions in companies discussed on the show, they don't have insights into the next time step of the simulation. Therefore, do not make any financial decisions based on the contents of the this podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 57 of the Tesla Q podcast. Recording this on February 25th, 2020. And with the episode number 57, I feel like I should have had some clever uh, 57 Bel Air or Heinz 57 joke to make, but I don't. So I apologize for that. If you'd like to contribute to the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash Tesla Q podcast and become a monthly contributor. And with that, we'll go ahead and get into the episode. Today, of course, was a, a very big day for Tesla as the National Transportation Safety Board, I think that's what NTSB stands for, had a hearing. Uh, I think it lasted four hours or thereabouts, maybe not quite four hours, but they the whole topic of the hearing was autonomous driving and specifically the Walter Huang crash where... Apple engineer Walter Huang tragically died in a vehicle accident where he was relying on Tesla's autopilot and was playing a video game and ultimately hit hit a vehicle barrier that hadn't been repaired as it was supposed to have been and he passed away and there were many details covered in that hearing today I'm not going to summarize it all I didn't actually get to watch it I just saw other people's reactions to the hearing but at the end of it, there were, I think, 21 recommendations from the NTSB that were made. So some key things to, to remember are that the NTSB does not have enforcement authority. They study specific crashes. So like with Kobe Bryant's helicopter crash uh, of last month, almost exactly a month ago, actually, uh, they've been investigating that. They've investigated the Walter Huang crash and several other specific accidents that have involved Tesla's vehicles, but they don't have the authority to enforce rules. So for flight, of course, the Federal Aviation Administration is the enforcement authority. For on-the-road vehicles, the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration has that authority. Uh, several other regulatory areas of the U.S. government have similar setups where there's a separate enforcement authority and advisory authority. So in this case, NTSB is more of an advisory authority. But apparently during the hearing today, they were pretty blunt about the fact that the NHTSA has has somewhat been asleep at the wheel with their job and not been proactive in creating rules that, that need to be enforced. Uh, they've been far too lax and more of just a, a passive sit back and wait for bad things to happen as opposed to create regulations to prevent bad things from happening in advance. But the the main takeaways that I got from the hearing are that Tesla's autopilot should have better driver attention measures. So that, that goes back to 
what Senator Markey said. If you can defeat the device with a, an orange, then it's a li- then autopilot's a lemon. So that was the main takeaway from that. Just talking a little bit about the share price, not investment advice or anything, but we closed last week right at $900 per share, a nice classic options pin. It's pretty clear or somewhat clear by late in the day on Thursday that that, that was a very probable options pin level. It looked like it might be 850 or maybe 900, but ultimately ended up being 900. Yesterday, of course, the market as a whole had a big drop because of the coronavirus and all the impacts from that. So yesterday, Tesla was down about 50 bucks. Today, it was down about 50 more bucks. So it was down to 800 today. And oddly, because today's a Tuesday, oddly, the price action looked very similar to late in the week when there's an options pin and the price closed at right below $800 per share, 799.91. So nine cents away from a nice even $800. And in the aftermarket, it actually ended up closing at about 791, which is only $4 more than the intraday low of 787. So that was in the aftermarket. Uh, Just within the last hour or so before I started recording this, there was a new piece of news, and that's that Panasonic is no longer going to be working with Tesla at the Buffalo Gigafactory, formerly known as Gigafactory 2. Now I think its official name is Gigafactory New York. And as you likely remember, if you're a regular listener of the podcast, Tesla has an obligation to have a minimum number of employees as of, I think, sometime this April to avoid a $41.2 million fine. And some people would probably argue and say that the proper term is not fine, but payment or whatever whatever the word is. Fine is the most clear-cut, easy way for me to describe it. So that's the term that I'm going to use. Elon gets to pick his words. I get to pick my words. So Gigafactory, Kilo factory, normal factory, uh, verbiage is what it is. Uh, but with with that news coming out of Japan tonight, I have doubts that Tesla will be able to meet their minimum number of jobs. And I think it's somewhat likely that they will have to pay that fine. I trust that the local reporters in the Buffalo area, David Robinson and Dan Telvok, will stay fully on top of that story and will not let Tesla slide by with without uh, having some transparency and sunlight shown on what they're doing there. So that was some late breaking news. Uh, just real quick, I'm going to read a thread from Brad Munchen, who is uh, very familiar with Panasonic due to his coverage universe of, of the stock market. So I'll just directly read it. So tweet number one, Nikkei reports that Panasonic and Tesla are ending their solar panel collaboration at GF2. Panasonic's bailing because of no hopes for revenue growth. The two companies' relationship is in flux. Panasonic is strengthening its stance on being more profitable on cell sales at Tesla to Tesla at Gigafactory 1, which is, of course, the Nevada plant. Tweet two, Panna couldn't make the solar roof panels, the ones Elon Musk displayed to investors in 2016 so that they'd agree to the Solar City bailout, to match Tesla's specs. Getting the proper energy efficiency under Tesla's design of the panels that look like roof tiles was too difficult. Tweet 3. 
Despite getting New York State funding, quote, there was no hope of seeing higher sales levels, unquote. So both companies decided to discontinue their production joint venture. Panasonic was seeing output at its Gigafactory 2 panel lines continuously fall. Tesla is using cheaper Chinese panels for its energy business. Tweet 4. Because of Tesla's China ambitions and collaboration with Cattle and LG Chemical in China, Panasonic is taking a tougher stance towards profitability on its sell sales to Tesla at GF1. Quote, the two companies' relationship is changing from its previous state, unquote, which Brad points out is that that is basically Japanese for saying that their relationship is on the rocks. And tweet five, what a great time for Pana to bail on GF2. Delaware derivative suit against Tesla's buyout of SolarCity is in March. Panasonic also realizes its share of the pie will shrink as Tesla does business with cattle and LG Chemical in China, so they want to hike Gigafactory 1 sell prices. So Fremont better be at 500000 this year. So that pretty much covers all the main points of, of what this news could mean. Uh, he pointed out that that lawsuit in Delaware is coming up very soon. So I don't know how much Panasonic's uh, partnership with Tesla may play into that lawsuit or not. That's to be determined, but something to keep in mind. I'm going to go ahead and retweet that thread so that it will be on my timeline. So with both the NTSB news and with the uh, Panasonic Gigafactory 2 news, that's two two different things that could cause some some pressure to be on Tesla's share price tomorrow. We'll see about that. Uh, I had two separate tweets today that got very different levels of engagement. One got a ton of engagement, and that was a tweet that I made about Elon Musk's tweeting during the NTSB hearing. Uh, he was tweeting about ice cream during the hearing. So my tweet, you might be a psychopath if you sold a feature named full self-driving while only having level two autonomy and during the NTSB hearing specifically discussing the matter of a fatal crash resulting from this, you tweeted about ice cream. And that tweet got quite a bit of engagement because it was very heartfelt. And it was in the style of uh, Jeff Foxworthy's You Might Be a Redneck If, but uh, a little bit different tone to it. And a tweet that did not get very much engagement was my endorsement of the Business Wars podcast series about the Boeing versus Airbus competition. Uh, I know a lot of people in Tesla Q Twitter have started following Boeing a lot more closely thanks to Elmer Fudd's coverage of, of that situation. And that tweet of mine only got two likes compared to like a hundred something for the other one. But I did very much uh, enjoy listening to that series. Unfortunately, quote for me, it uh, it sparked a whole lot of curiosity, which I don't have the time to to fully dive into and research, which is sad to me. But such is life. Maybe at some point I'll, I'll research further. But aspects of that that I would like to research more, particularly, are that the uh, just the whole fly-by-wire aspect of the MCAS system that Boeing uses, the uh, 
pioneering of fly-by-wire by Airbus for commercial jets. I did a just a little bit of research and saw that apparently the F-16, I think, was the first fighter jet that used fly-by-wire. But just uh, based on my educational and professional background, that aspect is intriguing to me, um, using electrical signals and computers to actually perform control functions as opposed to having mechanical linkages is is something that I'm quite interested in. As well as, uh, they mentioned the self-regulatory aspect of things, where the FAA has, in the past, I, I forget exactly what time frame, but I think it was early 2000s, they ceded a lot of their regulatory authority to the actual companies to allow them to self-regulate. And with my day job, that actually factors in considerably to one of the main things that I've been working on the last few weeks. So that's of particular interest to me as well. But if you're interested in Boeing or following Boeing, I do highly recommend that that podcast series. I think it's seven episodes for that that segment within the podcast series. I think I, I plugged the Ford versus Chevy series from the very same podcast on one of the more recent episodes. So in general, I recommend the Business Wars podcast. And that's not even a paid endorsement. Getting back to Tesla, though, uh, another tweet this evening that caught my eye particularly was one from Tesla Charts uh, using some speculation from Machine Planet based on photographic evidence of Pier 80 out in San Francisco. Uh, Tesla Charts posted his projection for the rest of the quarter for the number of ships that Tesla's going to ship out uh, with their vehicles on board with the cumulative loading time. And from that chart, assuming that it's correct that, that Tesla is now done loading ships for the quarter, quarter one of 2020 will have approximately 16 fewer days of peer loading time as compared to quarter four of 2019. So 16 days, uh, I think it was about three days for a full ship. So a full ship was something like 3,000 to 5,000 vehicles. So five full ships times at least 3,000 would be 15,000 fewer vehicles being shipped in quarter one versus quarter four. Of course, the other thing you have to remember in considering that is that the Shanghai Gigafactory or whatever Gigafactory 3, whatever name you prefer for it, Kilo Factory is my preferred name for it, uh, is has been producing Model 3s and is going to be producing Model Ys in the not-too-distant future. Uh, I saw earlier today, here on February 25th, that the first Model Y deliveries are scheduled for the very near future. So that's something to keep in mind, something that I'm sure that uh, will attempt to be used as a stock price bump. But we'll see what the rest of this week holds with Tesla's share price. Uh, I will note that I think the 50-day moving average for Tesla is somewhere in the 640, 650 range. Additionally, I'll remind folks that Professor Damadoran sold his Tesla stake at $640 per share. So based on those couple little data points, that range, 650 might be a place to uh, consider taking some profits if you have a short position. 
not trading advice, but just something to keep in mind. And uh, another last thing before we wrap up this episode, it was suggested to me that I provide some ideas of uh, long and short ideas at the end of, of episodes of the podcast. So if you think that's a good idea and would like for me to do that, please let me know. Either send me a message or a tweet uh, and let me know. Off the top of my head, I don't have any ideas right now, but I will look at my little watch list here. Ah, I do have an idea. Carvana announces their earnings tomorrow, so that could have a relatively big impact on their share price. I currently have a short position. It's uh, hit its all-time high just a few days ago, uh, last Thursday, I think. Yeah, Thursday. Uh, it hit 115.23. It closed the day today at about 104 and they're not close to making money yet. They do have a fairly substantial amount of, of available liquidity, but their actual cash balance is quite low. So my thesis is that at some point their generous loan terms will go away and not be so generous. When that'll be, I have no idea. It's possible that they'll have another 80, 85% year over year revenue increase for this quarter and their share price could go higher. So keep that in mind too, but just, just an idea. Don't really have any long ideas at the moment, although uh, Scorpio tankers might be one to, to keep in mind. They have declined substantially over the last two months. Uh, they hit a high of $40.45 back in December, and today they closed at $17.42, so a greater than 50% drop, maybe 60%. Maybe don't buy them yet for sure, but just start keeping your eye on them. Uh, Euronav is another, another company. They're also a shipping company to maybe keep an eye on, but again, maybe wait to buy. But start watching. So, uh, none of that was advice, but just a few things to, to put your eyes on if you need some ideas. So, with that, I think we'll wrap up this episode. And this has been episode 57 of the Tesla Q podcast on February 25th, 2020. Thank you for listening, and bye bye.